do I have a, a free, well, let's see. So we had Brother Don, and then we spent two weeks talking about our covenant with God. And, um, okay, Henry, am I being recorded? Yes. It, it's working. It's all good. Okay. Plus my backup recorder. That's still working. All right. Last week we wound up with no recording at all. Um, but uh, the sound guy knows that if that happens, he needs to run up here and, and push a button here on my little widget, and then we'll, we'll be in business. So. so anyway, so what I did was, um, you know, Katie and Andrew missed most of the service because they're helping out with, the, with kids. And so uh, we, we finished last Sunday, and then I told them, I'm going to preach this again and put it up on the podcast. So I, on Tuesday night, I, I put my, my little microphone on my desk, and I, and, and I preached the whole thing again without looking at any clock. And it, it turned into like a, an hour and 25 minutes. So they got, some, they, they got some bonus content that you didn't get last Sunday. Um, if, um, but it's on the podcast if you want to go, if you want to go find it. So now we're going we're gonna to switch over into into Christmas. Are the kids released? Are they? Sure. <laughs> they had to leave, right? Two of them already. All right. start over in um, Isaiah chapter 9, and we've got some interesting things to talk about today. I have relapsed back into the King James Version, but I have an excuse. We don't have New King James available, and so uh, if if I'm if, if I'm hunting for verses, I need to I need to use a Bible I'm familiar with, um, and that's what I've been doing recently. Um, Isaiah chapter nine. I'll start reading in verse two. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them, light shined. Verse six. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
back up in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. He shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the, with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Um, and then there's the verse that says, uh, a virgin shall bring forth and, and bear a son, and I'm, I know it's right close by. Here it is, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right. So we have these um, prophecies about Jesus. And like I said previously, how, how the word became flesh and dwelt among us, God had to put his word in the mouth of prophets to actually speak it out to cause Jesus to come into in, into the earth um, this God's word would would uh, control empires and and uh, things would would shift and change in the earth just for God's word to, to come to pass Caesar Augustus had to uh, had to decree what the Roman Senate wanted, which was a Senate, which was a census of of all the the territory, which put Mary and Joseph on the road to Bethlehem right before she was about to to give birth to Jesus. Um, there's things that God is doing, but He never does them without some people already knowing about it. And um, who, are, who are those people? It says over in the book of uh, Amos, I think I marked this one, Amos chapter three, that's, that's my kid, that God it says in the book of Amos that God does nothing. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And um, there are people that pray and people that uh, are real close to God, prophetically used of him, 
they tend to know a little bit more than than what the rest of us see just on the on the surface and though there were those kind of people before Jesus first coming and that's who we're going to talk about today they're um, These kind of people are, are humble. Like it says in Isaiah 57, the Lord says, I, I dwell in a uh, high and holy place. Thus, say, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. It's Isaiah 57, 15. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So God doesn't share all his secrets with just anybody. Um, like it says, I think we've been to Psalm 25 already, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. But it takes humility to, to pray and to, to bow before God and to, and to listen to God. And uh, there's a uh, verse also over in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. You don't have to turn to all of these because I know I have a lot of them. But uh, in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, there's a comment about the sons of Issachar. Issachar was a tribe in Israel. It says the children of Issachar were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So because of divine revelation, they just, they knew extra things about what was, what was actually going on. And it takes a, a, a I appreciate that kind of that kind of perspective because it can give me a, a, a bigger picture. Like if we look at what's going on in the country right now, you know, um, you, you just you just everything you see is a downer. Everything you see, you know, is is devastation, calamity, no justice. Everybody's misunderstanding everybody else. Everybody's mad. Everybody's offended. Nobody likes anyone. Um, there's, you know, lies and intrigue and, you know, uh, people that just roll with it and, and keep those lies going. Um, but if I, can, if I can take a step back and put all of that in a, in a framework of, of what God is doing in the earth right now, I know that we're getting ready for, for the second coming of Jesus. And the Bible says that the closer that we get to the return of Jesus, it's um, the, 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 the more trouble there's going to be in the world. It's like birth pangs getting closer together and closer together when a, a lady is about ready to give birth. And Jesus has said that we have peace in him 
and to not let our heart be troubled about any of those any of those things. But it really helps to have an understanding or a perspective of of what's going on with that. So, um, and many times there's you know monumental things that happen, and nobody knows. Can you imagine like the shepherds that came to visit baby Jesus on the night he was born? Well, they had a dramatic experience that night. But what happened, you know, where, what happened 30 years later? Well, then, you know, someone might say, you know, you said the Messiah was born and you saw angels and you visited somebody and 25 years has come and gone. Well, where is he? What do you think? Nobody knew. Um, there were um, let's go to Luke chapter Luke chapter two. This is where I'm going with all this. People that are humble, people that hear God, people that pray people that listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, Luke chapter 2. And we'll start in, um, in verse 25. In the same way that God has people praying and working with him in the earth, to prepare the earth and the people and all of us and the church for Jesus' second coming. God had those kind of people praying about Jesus' first coming. Okay? So we're going to meet two of them here. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now, baby Jesus had already been born. And he'd been circumcised on the eighth day. And then 40 days after that, Joseph and Mary were required, were uh, by the law to bring him back up into the temple and, uh, and present him to God and, and dedicate baby Jesus to, to God. So they walk up into the temple complex and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Even Jewish history remembers this guy. He, he was the son of Hillel, who was a, an outstanding uh, Jewish theologian that had his own group of followers and, and disciples. And uh, Simeon was, was just extremely renowned. I mean, he was almost like celebrity status for, for um, um, his understanding of the scriptures and because the spirit of prophecy was on his life and because of his father. So eventually when his father died, then he became like the leading scholar, kind of like the, the chief rabbi in Israel today. This, that's, that's who this was. This guy was, was really, really outstanding. 
and um, people think he was really old because when he sees Jesus, he says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to thy word. Mine eyes have seen your salvation. Um, he, he wasn't. He, he wasn't that old. Um, but he was just saying that, that um, my God, now that I've seen the Messiah, my life could be over right now and I would be okay with that because I've seen, I've seen the Messiah. But so this, this famous man um, is in Jerusalem waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was, was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simply by the witness of the Holy Ghost, he knew that this was this was the Messiah. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, he says to Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So that was, that was Simeon. And then right then, this, this elderly lady comes in, and she was old. Um, her name was Anna. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel, tribe of Asher, of great age, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years. That's 84 years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise to the Lord and spoke of him to all that looked for redemption in, in Jerusalem. So this uh, Anna, if she had been, a lot of girls were, were betrothed to be married or married between about the age of 12 and 14. Um, and if she had actually been a widow for 84 years, she would have been about 104 right here. So um, if not, then maybe she's 84. The Greek text doesn't really say one way or the other. But um, she, it says she departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She had the revelation that the Messiah is going to come to his temple. And it's going to happen in my generation, in my lifetime. And she didn't want to miss this. And so 
uh, she so didn't want to miss it, miss it that she just wouldn't leave the temple. She stayed right there for decades and uh, must have had accommodations there. And, um, and, that, and, and then she was connected to other people in Jerusalem because it says she, she spoke of him to other people that were probably in her prayer group that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So um, let's go back to where I started in um, Isaiah 9. And I'll, I'll point something out here. Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. There, the Old Testament prophets had no revelation of the church age. Okay? This, this verse right here entirely skips the church age and it goes from Jesus being born as a baby to Jesus being the ruler of, of the earth. And it, it just it flows from one to the other. And so a, a church age that lasted 2,000 years inserted right in the middle of that they had no knowledge of that at all. Um, so this is Jesus' first coming and his second coming run together in one sentence. And so we can understand why uh, Jesus' disciples and many other people were like, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And he says, no. Um, and then he dies on the cross and ra raises from the dead. And they're like, okay, God, are Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And, and he says, no, it's not the time for that yet. But in his first coming, he came as, as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Okay? And his second coming, he's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and um, a lot of people are going to die. <laughs> he's going to clean house. He's going to come back and um, whip the tail of the Antichrist, the false prophet. Um, there's uh, clean up the battle of Armageddon, save Jerusalem, save Israel. Uh, he's it's, it's going to be a different Jesus coming back than the Jesus that, that everyone saw that everyone saw the first time. So, um, but yeah, it, the, all the prophecies in the Old Testament, they, they all, they'll, they'll prophesy the birth of the Messiah and then and then this government, and then he's he's reigning over the earth, um, and um, there's we know now that there's there, there's a big gap between those two. Um, over in Ephesians, Paul says that 
the the church was a mystery, not revealed until until this present time. So um, it takes the word of God and and prayer, you know, and, and study to to see to see really what's what's going on. Um, but let's talk about Jesus' second coming and being ready for his second coming and having, having the right kind of heart looking forward to, to his second coming. Um, over in 1 John chapter 3, having the hope of Jesus' second coming will purify your life. That's what it says in this verse. First um, John chapter 3, starting in verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Yet it does not appear what we shall be, but we, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So the, um, the, the expectation that Jesus could come anytime is a great motivation to be living right. I'll say it like that. And we just, you know, we, we become what we behold. What we what we put our mind on, what we put our eyes on, um, will, the, the, the more that you're focused on God and his word and the things of God, it really, it really cleans you up. But uh, this, yeah, every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Book of um, Titus, would have been Paul writing to let's see before or after Hebrews I'll tell you before Titus chapter 2 because Titus Philemon meant Hebrews Titus chapter 2 start in verse 11 Paul says to Titus the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world looking looking for that blessed hope that's code for the rapture just to let you know blessed hope that's the rapture and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're looking for his appearing. And um, Hebrews chapter 9. Thank you, God. At the very end of Hebrews chapter 9, 
it says um, in verse 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and salvation. So we need to be expecting and looking for the return of, of Jesus. It, it'll help us live right. It'll help us be ready for, for his for his coming. Now we can go to Second Peter, which is to the right of Hebrews, verse 3. Second Peter chapter three. Um, verse twelve says, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Oh, this is what I'm missing. Back up to verse 3 in the, in the chapter. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So, there's going to be crazy things going on. And even crazier than what we've seen already. And people are, there, there will be people that say, well, where is he? Why, has, why hasn't he come back yet? And they'll start to doubt the return of the Lord. But the Lord isn't slow or tardy. It says down here in verse 15, account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. So, so God is waiting for every person that's going to get saved and come into his family to get saved and come into his family. And then when everybody's in that's going to come in, then he's going to, then he's going to come back and, and, and get us. So God's not being slow. He's just in, in his mercy, he's giving He's giving everyone more time. And so that's why, you know, people that don't know the Lord, we, we want to pray for them. We want to show them the love of God. We want to, um, you know, witness to them and tell them how to, how to come on in. And uh, there's a lot about, there's a lot about watch and pray, you know. That's what they were doing before Jesus coming, watching and praying, watching and praying. But then as we get to the end of, of the church age, where we're nearing the return of the Lord 
the second time, it's it's still the same. It's uh, it's watch and pray. You don't have to turn to these. Uh, Mark thirteen thirty two and. Thirty-three says, "But of that day and hour, no, no man, no, not the angels, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is." Luke twenty-one says a similar thing. Verse 34, it says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, cares of this life, that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So, when we watch and pray, we become more sensitive to to what God is, is speaking to the church right now. You know, I listen to I listen to God speaking to my own heart, but then I, I really want to hear what He's saying across the body of Christ to other, you know, the prophets and apostles and teachers and and other other people in the body of Christ. And um, the closer that people are to God, the less differences there are between the things that they're saying. They. They, all, all the strings seem to come together uh, with the when, when you're tapping into people that are are closer to to the Lord. There's um, when uh, the prophet Elijah was about to go up to heaven. Elisha was his faithful servant who was following him, and they would go from one town to another and. Elijah would say, look, you can stay here. And he's like, no, I'm not staying. I'm keeping you in my sight. I'm not leaving you. And he wanted to be faithful to him all the way till the Lord took him. And they would pass through towns, uh, villages where other prophets would be there. You know, and uh, Elijah had a little school of prophets. And they came to Elisha and said, don't you know that the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? And he said, I know, be quiet. Right? You know, and there was, a, there was a general consensus that, that uh, people that were really, really um, cued into what God was doing knew that Elijah was gonna be, was gonna be taken to heaven. Um, they just, they, they knew what they knew and and that's exactly what happened. The Bible 
does not say that we're going to know precisely the day and the hour when when Jesus will come but we can know times and seasons we can know a lot more than than um, my dad thinks we can know <laughs> we can uh, it says uh, Paul says in the New Testament that we're not children of the night or of the darkness that that day should be a big surprise to us but um, when people across the body of Christ are saying okay you know we're we're in the season we're here it's it's coming right up um, we'll, we'll know there there will be a general knowing and there will be a general urgency to be to be in church and to be doing what we're supposed to be doing um, I do not believe that God's going to leave us here to deal with the, the Antichrist and the, the mark of the beast and the, the world system during that time. I'm going to teach that one day. We're, God's not going to leave us here for that. There's a, there, there's a prophetic pattern going all the way back through Scripture that, the, that God's wrath is reserved for his enemies and he always takes the righteous out of danger before judgment falls. So we're not going to be here during the tribulation, but we're going to see a lot more crazy stuff until, you know, between between here and the rapture. And so, and there's a lot to do between here and the rapture. Our job is to, you know, establish a church, open the doors, and, and make it big and wide and inviting and bring a lot of people in and uh, and that's just that's just the beginning so um, for time. did I preach long enough too long no just right <laughs> all right how do you know how do you know when you when when you how do you know when you're into the word as much as you should be? You know, Jesus said, Abide in me and let my word abide in you. How do you know when you read this enough or when you um, are are into into the word of God enough? When it starts speaking back to you, when it starts talking back to you, when uh, and what I mean by that is that is that you you spend time in the Word of God, and then you do daily life, and in the process of daily life, the Holy Spirit will bring Scripture back to you, to to help you and and to guide your path. That's that's a good sign that you're that that you that you've been um, been plenty in in the Word of God. Want to please the Lord? Okay. Oh, I had one scripture I was going to close with. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23.
So just as um, Simeon and Anna were faithful to God and praying and watching for Jesus' first coming, that's the position that we need to be in, watching and waiting for his second coming. Um, and um, Matthew 1, 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us.